I was turning 40 in April and there was a half marathon in June. And I said, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And I mean, as everyone would say, the rest is history. <laughs> I mean, I trained, had no idea what I was doing. I just ran the miles I was supposed to run. I ran the same pace for every run and ran that half marathon in June and said that was the hardest thing I've ever done. But I crossed the finish line crying and I couldn't believe that I had done it. And I think the next day I was like, okay, when's the next one? <laughs> so it was, I think I got hooked pretty quickly. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 48 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. It's never too late to find your passion in life. Though Shauna Miller grew up in Framingham on the Boston Marathon course and works today near Heartbreak Hill, she never ran until age 40. Shauna met some girlfriends at the gym, got inspired, signed up for a half marathon three months from then, suddenly realizing she had no idea what she was doing. She used the Hal Higdon training plan, ran all the training miles at the same pace, and finished the half marathon, saying it was the hardest thing she had ever done, crying, emotional, and proud of her accomplishment. The next day she woke up and said, when's the next one? Shauna was hooked. But our running journey has been filled with big challenges. We discuss overcoming a missed medical diagnosis that sidelined her for over 18 months, piriformis syndrome, hysterectomy, hormones, hair loss, depression, hiring a coach, Victoria at Run for PRs, finding someone who believes in you, forging a partnership, building a plan to keep her healthy and strong. And being so inspired by that connection, she got her RRCA coaching certification to learn more about running and to give back to the community. Quote from Shauna, when I started running 10 years ago, that is what truly had me believing in myself, gave me confidence, and I started to become comfortable living in my own skin. Running has definitely shaped my life with a new perspective for self-image and how amazing our bodies are. Shauna's cut an astounding 38 minutes off her marathon and ran a 3.49 at Bay State, which would have easily been a BQ in any year but last year's historical 7 minute and 47 second record cutoff. She has a big goal to run sub 3.40 at Chicago, which would give her a 15 minute BQ cushion. Looking forward to seeing Shauna crush it and make her dream come true. I hope you all enjoyed this convo as much as we did. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Shauna Miller, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting for us to get together and connect. We've been talking about getting you on and then you had your little family vacation action going on, right? You guys did a little, little vacay. Where, where were you guys uh, hanging out at? Yep. We were in Nantucket, um, little island off the coast of Cape Cod, or some people might not know where it is. Um, it, if you've ever been, if you've ever been, it's, um, it's amazing. It's this little slice of heaven. It's the only way I can describe it. And until you've been there, it's really hard to describe, I guess. It's just a really quaint, really quaint little England, New England town or 
island, I guess you could say. <laughs> Love it. Love it. My uh, son's girlfriend's family, they have a beautiful home there um, that they rent out like all year. And they were going to do, um, their gra- they graduated from Middlebury in the pandemic year 2020. So they had no graduation and they still haven't had a graduation. Like other schools tagged them onto the 2021 graduation. They're like the forgotten class. And uh, we were supposed to go to their home in Nantucket. So actually I have not been yet, but when I get there, I'll give you my uh, give you my review, but I've heard amazing things from uh, my friends who've been up that way. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, the running there is awesome. <laughs> just, I mean, the views and just the bike path is amazing. Um, where I live, I mean, road running, you know, you're always looking out for cars. So it's nice to not have to worry about that when we're there. We all need escapes. We got to get, yeah. a, we got to get away. And uh, after this last year, we've all, need it more than ever. Um, so much of us haven't been on a plane in, you know, a year plus, um, maybe way more than a year. Some, some of us a year and a half or two years. And, um, I'm the kind of person who flies a hundred K plus miles. I'm United one K. Um, a lot of those miles were flying around the world, doing all the six world marathon majors in the same year. Um, but it just, for me, it's just pure energy and fun to get out on the road and get out of the house and, and go see my running friends in Berlin or in Tokyo or somewhere else. So, um, what was that like for you guys, you know, being holed up during the pandemic and, you know, was it just you and your husband? Like, what was your situation at home? Um, so my husband and I have two teenage boys, um, for the end of 2020 when school was shut down, um, that was, you know, rough, obviously for everyone. Um, my husband was traveling, um, back and forth from Connecticut to Boston for work. So, we kind of got used to him being away for one to three nights a week and then boom, home. <laughs> so um, that was a little bit of an adjustment. Um, but, you know, overall, I think we made it work. And I mean, it was actually really nice having everyone home, um, you know, with two teenage boys, you know, coming and going. And I mean, I was lucky if I saw anybody <laughs> for, you know, an entire week between my husband's travel and the boys. Um, so it was nice, you know, for those, whatever it was, six to eight weeks that we were really not going anywhere. Um, thankfully last summer, you know, even though things weren't really open, but we were still able to get out and we did go to Nantucket last summer in August. Um, you know, obviously different than what we were used to every summer, but at least we got to get away. Um, no plane involved for us, but, um, driving in the ferry, which, you know, that was a little different as well last summer, but yeah, it wasn't have to say overall, it wasn't a horrible year, um, for us, thankfully. Good. Cause a lot of people were through so much additional stress or maybe even lost family members or, had lots of family members who not only got COVID, but maybe got very sick. Some were lucky enough to really not get that impacted by it, you know, really just got over it really quickly. I had a number of friends who not only had it, but they were back and running, you know, just a few weeks later and completely fine. And I have a few that are like going through some of that long haul COVID stuff who just can't seem to get their fitness back or feel comfortable. Um, So everybody is so different, you know, and it impacts them 
in uh, such different ways. Um, so in your case, you guys weren't too bad. Um, you know, you had the two teenage boys home and they're, they're always doing their own thing anyway, man. It's just like, you know, whether they're there, I kid around with my son who's 23 now and he's living with his girlfriend up in Vermont. Like I see about the same amount of him when he's home as I do when he's in Vermont. It's like, you know, kind of coming and going ships. And, you know, other than when we get out for a run or play some golf, that golf is my secret because then I can lock him down for nine holes is at least two hours. And if we play 18, you know, that's like four hours of quality time. So I don't know if your boys play sports or what do you guys, what you guys do together, but that's, that's a fun, fun way to get to spend some more time with them. Yeah. I mean, thankfully my older son, um, started his freshman year in college this year, um, in Rhode Island. So he was able to still go off to school and had a good first year. Um, so, you know, that was a plus because we do have, he had a bunch of friends that deferred their spots for next year. Um, or they were all online and didn't even get the college experience. So, I mean, that was, you know, a good thing for him. Um, but like you said, graduations last year, he graduated high school and my younger son graduated eighth grade. So, you know, no graduations last year, um, no senior prom or anything, but you know, it's, Hey, we're, we were all healthy. We stayed healthy all year. And that was the important thing, you know, to get through it that way. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's funny cause my son and his girlfriend were like, they didn't care that they didn't have a formal graduation at first. And then as now like two years have gone by and they haven't had a real one, like so many other kids did, they went back and tagged it onto 2021. Now they just feel like they were just like forgotten. And, uh, at first they just didn't care. And now they actually kind of do care. And I don't blame them. Um, it is a big deal. It's a big milestone in life. And certainly high school is too. I mean, for sure. And not just graduation, prom, all, all of those things. And it's a shame. And we won't know for years to come how it's going to affect any of us because we're still, we're still trying to unravel it and figure it out. But, um, we're all doing the best we can, you know? And thank God for us, we have running because without running, you know, like for my friends who don't run or maybe can't run anymore, you know, because they've had old injuries or other things, I feel for them because having been on the shelf for quite a few months with a stress fracture, like I could not manage my stress or any of the anxieties and stuff that we normally deal with in our lives without running. I mean, riding a, a stationary bike or a Peloton bike, or even when I go out on the roads and ride, it just doesn't give me the same release and doesn't make me feel as comfortable because when I'm out on the 50 mile bike ride, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm alone, man. I'm out here in the middle of nowhere riding a bike by myself. Like, what if I fall into a ditch and crash? Like, no one's even going to know where I am. You're like, I don't worry about these things when I go for a run. You know, I just go for a run, you know, and I come back. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been crazy time. So tell everybody, you know, tell the Run Chats audience, like where you grew up, you know, what life was like as a kid, all that kind of good stuff. A little background on yourself. So I grew up in Framingham, Massachusetts. And for those Boston marathoners out there, um, that is one of your pit stops <laughs> <laughs> through the Boston Marathon course. Um, and what else? I, my parents um, divorced when I was eight. And my dad moved to New York City. So I'm a huge New York City fan as well. <laughs> um and growing up, my dad was a Broadway stage manager and my mother was a dance teacher. So the, that was my world. I was very involved in the arts and dancing and acting and um, running was not even on my radar then. Um, if you told me to go 
you know, go outside and go for a run or gym class. That was, <laughs> it was not for me. Um, and so I spent, you know, um, school in Framingham and on my summer vacations and spring break and Christmas vacations with my dad in New York city. Um, yeah, I mean, my, that was ballet, jazz, tap, gymnastics. Um, and then in high school, I was on the, we called it the pom-pom squad. It was, uh, our version of the dance team and I was captain of the pom-pom squad my senior year in high school. So dancing was a big part of my life. Love it. So we got the performing arts in the family as I'm reaching over to grab the beer off my son's grand piano over here. So if he ever <laughs> tunes into any of these episodes, he's going to be like, dad, you've stolen my piano and you're now putting cocktails on top of it during your podcast. <laughs> so performing arts in the family, love it. Dad in the city. So you got exposure to not only being on the Boston marathon course and part of that tradition, uh, you got your dad in the city. Uh, and you got Broadway and your mom with dance. So that's super well-rounded. Now, did you, when you were performing, like I know you were dancing, doing tap, jazz, all that kind of stuff. Did you ever sing or play an instrument or any of that stuff or? Definitely not a singer. We all joke being so well-rounded in the arts. Um, no one can sing in my family. <laughs> I mean, we are like the opposite of being able to sing. So unfortunately didn't get that piece of talent. <laughs> but um I've always wanted to be able to sing. Definitely. <laughs> Maybe that'll it. be my next thing, taking singing lessons. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> hey, don't give up. And my my son is uh, a conductor, composer, pianist, and he certainly didn't sing in his early youth years, you know, when he was very involved with music and even producing shows. He was in an off-Broadway show at 20 where he's playing piano on the stage and was the music director right in the city. Um, but took music, uh, singing lessons at Middlebury. And I just can't believe like what a remarkable change in him and not only in his singing, but in confidence to sing. Um, and during the pandemic was, you know, singing Christmas carols in the church where he's a music director and doing like live things and, you know, just to try to raise people's spirits and at an end of life home. So, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late to learn an instrument. As I say that, I can't play five notes on this thing, um, but I certainly can appreciate classical music, jazz, piano, all, all of it. So that's super cool. And, um, but you can always... You can always pick up something later in life. Now, did you guys get to go to a lot of shows? You know, when you saw your dad in the city, did you see a lot of shows? Yes, that was, I mean, that was one of the highlights of growing up. Um, when he was on Broadway, you know, all of his stage manager friends. And I mean, we got to see so many shows. And then my dad, as he got older, started doing touring with um, Broadway shows that went on tour um, to different cities. So you know, I got to see a lot of different places going with my dad. Love it. What was your favorite show? Oh, gosh, Pro probably Rent, which was, you know, later in his career. Um, but I, I did you see it? I haven't. I haven't. But my son has seen it and was also a big fan. Yeah, that that's one of my favorite shows for sure. Um, but my dad was a stage manager for Be Beatlemania for many years. So we're huge Beatles fans in my family. <laughs> wow, cool. And and your mom had a dance studio for a really long time. Um, yeah, 37 years. Wow. That's so, re that's yeah, really cool. Yeah, yeah. So that that kept you guys super active obviously. Yeah. Um and fit uh and it's discipline and it's routine. Um and the same sorts of uh 
things that we follow to be a competitive athlete or be a good athlete in any sport. I don't care if you're playing volleyball or tennis, it doesn't have to have anything to do with running. The same disciplines are required to be good at tap, to be good at ballet, to be good at piano, to be good at, you know, any sort of dance whatsoever. So, um, and you know, you're part of a group, you know, you might be trying to dance solo as a ballerina or something in a show, but most times these are choreographed routines, you're working together. And so you're part of something other than yourself. So you are kind of getting a lot of those same experiences that athletes get, you know, in the, you know, in the performing arts community. And I just have had a chance to see it up close with my son and his friends, you know, from his grade school days and high school and college. And, you know, when they pull these shows off and they bring them together and, you know, they pull them to, you know, to life, it's pretty awesome, you know, pretty amazing. So that was a that was a cool thing for you getting to see that, you know, kind of from a backstage view, I'm sure. Yes, for sure. Cool. <laughs> so that was your youth where a lot of the people I have on the show were at least dabbling in sports at that point. N- not everyone was. And certainly many of the people I have on the show were not running at all. You know, they might have been playing softball or volleyball or or they were a baseball player like me. I didn't run until my mid-30s. So a lot of us had not found running at all at that point. Now, living in Framingham, when you were kids, did you have any experiences that you can remember, like going out on the course, cheering for the runners, or you guys really weren't about that even though you were you were there? Yeah, I mean, the Boston Marathon is such a staple in, you know, the even suburbia of, I mean... Boston, uh, Framingham's about, I think it was um, 17 minutes from downtown Boston. I mean, as a kid, I mean, and a teenager, I spent a lot of time in the city. Um, and certainly, I would say like my college years, and when I first started working, I worked in Newton. So I was right on the marathon course as well. And I think that's really when I started going and watching the marathon every year. Um still not even thinking about running. And, you know, in my mind, the Boston Marathon was, wow, like these elite, famous <laughs> Olympic runners like that. That was my interpretation of the Boston Marathon back then. Um, and many years I would go during my lunch hour when I was working and sit at Heartbreak Hill because my office was right down the street from there. So, yeah. So now it just boggles my mind like that is part of my life. <laughs> So it is pretty crazy. I mean, that's, that is such a cool journey because, um, living in Newton, you know, I always tell everybody the race doesn't start to that first turn at the firehouse. Cause that's really where, um, you know, if you've run the race properly and you have paced yourself correctly, you know, that's where you should be like licking your chops saying, okay, now I get to show everybody that I was ready for this race. I trained properly. I'm prepared. I held back or at least kept myself under somewhat of control. I didn't go bananas on the early downhills and, you know, run 30 seconds per mile faster, you know, for the first 10, 15 miles. And now all of a sudden, you know, the first set of hills come at the turn of the firehouse and I'm like, okay, my race is over. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. But I mean, also from a spectating standpoint, honestly, I can't think of a cooler place to spectate then, you know, in the, in the chain of Newton Hills or anywhere from the firehouse on. And my son was there in 2019. It's the first race he's actually seen me run. Um, he saw me run a sub three in my late forties, but he was so young. I mean, he was he certainly was young enough that he knew what was going on. And he knows that that was like a really big deal, but not like as, you know, a 20 year old and, you know, one of his high school cross country teammates went to school at Northeastern and Ronnie was from Middlebury. So he came down and they met 
And we all hung out. We had a couple of meals together and they were, you know, right there at the turn of the firehouse. And I think I felt like I jumped like 10 feet in the air. It was probably like 10 inches, but it felt <laughs> like 10 feet because I have yeah. no, I have no, no hops whatsoever. I'm, I can't play basketball. Um, but anyway, that's what it felt like for me to see him on the course and to hear them cheering. And then I think I ran backwards for a little bit and miraculously didn't run anybody over or crash into anybody. And then turned around and was like, yeah, you know, and then saw them at the finish. So what a cool thing to be from there. And surprisingly, although I've always been so close to New York City, I never went out to watch the New York City Marathon at all as a kid. Um, I just didn't. It was always on television. And I mean, like way before ESPN or any of these things existed, it was channel two or channel nine or 11. I'm just like sure you have your local channels up there. And you're right. That's exactly how I looked at it. I didn't, I was a, I was a baseball player, you know, but I look at these guys and women like Greta Weitz and go like, who are these people, man? Like ripping up the streets and running so fast. But, you know, same thing with me. Never had any idea in my life that I would be like, this is what I'm going to end up doing, or this might be something I'm interested in. So that's like super cool that you were close and then you were working there, but weren't even running at that point. Right. <laughs> so when did you actually start running? Like, how did that come about? Tell everybody about how you got your, put your foot in the water and finally got into running because it was very late in life for you. Yeah. So I was turning 40. Um, I joined a gym where we moved to in Connecticut and became friends with a group of women that were all tri triathletes and Ironman and marathoners. And, um, and even after dancing and growing up, I was still into fitness. I always worked out and belonged to a gym since I can remember. Um, so after befriending all of these women, I was like, Hmm, I think, I don't know, maybe like, not that I didn't fit in, but I felt like that's what they were all doing on the weekends or, you know, every day. And I thought maybe, I don't know, I'm turning 40. Maybe I should make a bucket list and run a half marathon. Like, you know, never mind the 5k, like let's just start running and run a half marathon. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that was probably like February of 2011 and I was turning 40 in April and there was a half marathon in June. And I said, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And I dabbled a little bit like in the gym running on the treadmill, but like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, you know, a couple of days a week. And that was it. I never run on the road. Um, and I think I, I think I looked at Hal Higdon. Yeah, it was Hal Higdon. Mm -hmm. Um, started with his beginner training plan. And I mean, as everyone would say the rest is history. <laughs> I mean, I trained, had no idea what I was doing. I just ran the miles I was supposed to run. I ran the same pace for every run and ran that half marathon in June and said that was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but I crossed the finish line crying and I couldn't believe that I had done it. And I think the next day I was like, okay, when's the next one? <laughs> so it was, I think I got hooked pretty quickly. Amazing. So what was, where was the half marathon? The first one that you did in June, where was it? So crazy. It's, um, I've run it a few times since then, um, in Simsbury, Connecticut. And at the time it was called the iron horse half marathon. And I want to say like two years ago, they changed it to the Yukon health half marathon and, um, actually ended up running it my fourth or fifth time, um, like a month ago. Um, and it's notoriously hot. It's always like, you know, 80 to 90 degrees, hundred percent humidity, 70% dew point. It's always horrible. Um, and one time I ran, they shut down the course 
um, after the two hour mark because the heat was so bad. Um, thankfully I was already done. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I just ran, um, a few weeks ago and it was just one of those horribly hot, disgusting days. And I've been marathon training and I thought and should know my body better that, Oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to PR today. Well, that was stupid. And, you know, after being an experienced runner, we all know that starting out a race too fast or in that kind of weather, I mean, you're crazy. And that was the dumbest thing I did. I went out like I was going to shoot for a PR and by mile five, I'm like ready to throw up and pass out. And it was not a fun race, <laughs> but it was, it was all good. <laughs> yeah. But that's how we learn. Exactly. Um, you know, we can read all the stuff we want in a magazine, uh, Hal Higdon program. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how many runners have followed his plans, which are great. Um, and what's wonderful now is so many of these things are all just free. Um, certainly there's a, a myriad of amazing coaching groups that are out there. And we'll talk about who you're working with later as we get into your more developed running. And I know you recently have done your own coaching certification and are now coaching runners, which is also super cool. But the way we learn best in life is when we uh, take the training wheels off. And I, I use that analogy all the time because I've never met a kid at I've ever seen in my entire life who crashed on his bike and said, nah, I'm gonna, I don't want to ride a bicycle ever again. Um, no, they cry. They might bleed. They go get a Band-Aid and they're like, okay, let's roll. Let's do it again. Or maybe they, maybe they need a timeout for the rest of that day, but they sure as hell are ready to come back the next day or the day after that or the day after that. And if they have a cast or they're, they're sprained and they're, you know, their ligaments are banged up, it doesn't matter, man. You know, that's just like a badge of honor. Like there's no kid out there that's sitting there going, oh no, I don't like this because I fell one time. I'm going to get back up. That's what I do. And we make mistakes in running. The only way we can learn from anything is to make a mistake. You know, how do you know you go out too hard? You go out too hard. That's how you know. Somebody can tell you not to go out too hard. Well, you don't know what it feels like to go out too hard until you've actually done it, okay? Or to bonk in a race or to be really dehydrated. You don't know what that feels like either until you just don't get enough out of those cups, which only have four ounces tops, and you squeeze it and some of it spills on your jog bra or, you know, down your shorts and you maybe get two ounces in and the tables are crowded. So you're like, ah, I'm not going to get it here. I'm not going to get it there. And the next thing you know, if you do a calculation, maybe you've got 12 ounces of fluid or 14 ounces of fluid. If you're not getting gels in and you're running a half marathon or further on a hot day, you are done for, man. Something bad's going to happen. Or you're going to be really in pain or suffering a couple of days later. Maybe not so much in that race. You might get through the race, but your body's really not going to recover well or as well as it should. I don't care if you got Norma Tech boots. I don't care how well you foam roll, the other stuff. Nutritionally, we got to get enough calories in to fuel the body. I don't care what pace you're running. Now, I don't care. I don't even care if you're walking and running. You still have to fuel. So, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So from, I would say that we always talk about the couch to whatever couch to 5k that's couch, gym, treadmill, all runs at the same pace, all the same distance. And I'll just do my first run in my life on the roads for a half marathon because you said you're only running on the treadmill, which is a total crack up. Um, but you know, it's also convenience. Um, there are people who they can only run when they're at the gym or maybe the gym's in their office and they've got, uh, you know, treadmills there or they have a full fledged gym. I mean, I'm, I know Boston is similar to New York. It isn't as large, but you know, many big corporations have like full blown gyms, showers, and even smaller, um, uh, to midsize companies are thinking about putting these perks in for employees because, Hey, 
after the pandemic, things are never going to be the same. There are going to be a lot of people who are just going to say, nope, I don't want to work from home. I'm not working in an office anymore. And even if I do, I'm only going to go there like one day a week or two days a week. And it's going to be a real struggle struggle for employers to get people to come back and go to their offices. And these are the things I talk about with our business partners every day. I'm like, hey, I've been working remotely forever. Don't, you know, don't try to convince me to come back. I wasn't even going there anyway before this happened. So I'm not going to tell you that our employees should all come back. You know, if they can be as productive in their homes or in their condos or apartments, wherever they are, if they're flying around on planes, don't break it, you know, but if you can't, you can't, it all depends on your situation. So, you know, a happenstance, 40 years old, couple of girlfriends, couple of friends in the gym, you get pulled in, you're on one race, boom, fully in the water, in the deep end, I'm in. So where do you go from there? That's your first run. And that's at 40. Where do you go from there? Like take us, take us, into like the next phase of it? Yeah, I think, um, like I said, right away, I, I knew I wanted to continue with this. Um, and my first half was a 202. And I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> like I, I need to break two, you know? So um, that became my next mission. And I think I became a serial racer after that. <laughs> and with, you know, like you said, you learn from your mistakes and, I mean, just kept racing and running and racing and running and um, wasn't thinking about recovery and all of that. Um, I think that fall, I probably did another four half marathons, like September through November. So, you know, every few weeks I was running another half marathon. Um, And then I did break two. So that was, you know, the next goal that I did for that year. And then by that following spring, after I'd been running for about a year, I said, okay, I think it's time. I think I'm going to do a fall marathon. (laughs) So then I caught that bug. And um, that November, I ran Philly Marathon in 2012. And same thing. I used Hal Higdon for that race and just put in the miles. Um, Never did speed, speed work, tempos, nothing. It was just the miles. And I was running the same pace for every run. And that definitely went on for probably six years, five, five, six years or so. Um, and you know, when you're only running the same pace all the time and not taking recovery the way that I now know I should have, um, you get burnt out, you get injured and that's exactly what happened. (laughs) Um, I ran in 2015 and 2016, I ran Boston, um, on invitational bib. Uh, I had family members that were sponsors of the marathon. And after the 2016 race, I could barely walk. My hamstring was excruciating, didn't know what was going on. And when saw one doctor had an MRI of the hamstring and my back and they found a herniated disc. And so, you know, at that point he suggested I shouldn't run. And I really, I was physically couldn't, I was so uncomfortable and sitting was the worst. So I really couldn't find any happy medium. Sitting was horrible and I couldn't run and I was a complete bitch. My husband wanted to sell me, I think. (laughs) So, um, at that point, I think after seeing that doctor, then I started going for spinal injections and nothing was working. And a couple of doctors later, 
still nothing was working. And I mean, it had, it had been, I don't know, a good eight months of off and on running and finally saw a physiatrist that diagnosed me with piriformis syndrome and uh, another MRI, even though the uh, herniated disc, it was a small herniated disc, this third doctor believed that had nothing to do with why I was in pain. Um, totally not connected at all. And it was piriformis. I had a cortisone shot and physical therapy. And that put me back to running probably six, seven weeks later. And just as I was getting back into running again, I started having some female issues. And my mother had been diagnosed with um, uterine cancer um, the year before. And I had genetic testing done that right after she was diagnosed came back as high risk, but I kind of put it on the back burner. Like my doctor was like, we'll just keep an eye on it. Sure enough, like within that, the end of that year, I started having some issues and, um, long story short, needed a full hysterectomy. And so that was January of, uh, 2018. And so I'd already not been running for the most part of that year and a half prior. And then when I started running again, was sidelined again from this surgery and really became depressed. My hair was falling out. Um, just really thought like I would never run again. And after I was cleared to start running again from this doctor, I said, okay, this is it. I spent the first six years of my running career, not really knowing what I was doing, even though I thought I knew what I was doing. And I said, I'm, I'm going to hire a coach and I'm going to run Boston for a third time, but this time I'm going to qualify. And that's what I did. <laughs> so I started working with um, Victoria. She's the owner of Run for PRs. And uh, 2018 was the most amazing year that I ever thought I had in me. Um, she completely changed the way I was running, um, incorporated speed work and tempos and I actually even cut down my days. I had been running five to six days prior before the injury. And then I was running four days and with more days of recovery and cross training. And I PR'd in the half, I think that fall. And then I ran two marathons, which I wouldn't tell someone to do. Um, six weeks apart, maybe. Um, I ran via marathon in Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania. And I had a seven minute PR. And that was like, I don't know. I think I could not PR in the marathon from my first marathon. They, I was stagnant, like within two to three minutes. And so the seven minute PR was like an awakening, like, oh my God, I think, I think I can do this. Um, so that was September of 2018. And then I ran New York city in November. Um, which by the way, is my favorite race ever. <laughs> it's the best. Oh my God. Um, I'll go back to that. But uh, yeah. And then I had another 11 minute PR. And at that point I was like, okay, I just shaved off 18 minutes in two months. Like I really think by the time I'm 50, I can qualify for Boston. So I just kept chipping away, chipping away um, all of 2019 and then had a couple of more PRs in the half. And, um, so I think at that point I had shaved off maybe six minutes off my half, which also over those years, I could not, I was stuck within three minutes. And, um, so 
So shaved off six minutes off of the half. And then October of 2019, I shaved another 20 minutes off of my half, uh, off of my full. Um, so a total of 38 minutes since my sur- my surgery and a piriformis injury. And I qualified for Boston. And sadly, though, this year <laughs> with COVID, um, so my, my BQ was for 2021. And at the time, I thought, wow, like I had a five-minute cushion. I mean, everybody thought with a five-minute cushion in 2019 and the cutoff the prior year was a minute 38 or whatever it was. So I thought, okay, I'm golden. Um, best race of my life. And then, you know, registration comes not too long ago. And if you've been following the Boston Marathon cutoff this year, it was 747. So I missed it. And um, I had already had a fire lit under me anyway with qualifying in 2019. I really, really um, made it my mission to qualify again, which or actually PR, any PR at this point for me, because I'm old now, (laughs) any PR at this point is a BQ. But um, my mission then was to shave another nine minutes off my marathon and break 340. And and that'll give me a good like 15 minute cushion um, for Boston. So that's my plan. I'm running Chicago in October, same weekend that sadly I was supposed to be running Boston. But um, yeah, it lit a fire under me. And so I'm shooting for a BQ and a PR in Chicago at the age of 50. <laughs> so that's my, my path with uh, running and um, training with a coach. I mean, really just changed the way I've been running, changed the way I feel about my running. Um, it's given me so much more confidence in how I feel and knowing that as an older masters runner, like don't let anyone ever tell you that you can't do something or, Oh, you're getting old. You're going to slow down. And I mean, yeah, at some point I'm sure I'm going to slow down and the PRs will stop, but for right now they keep going and I'm not giving up until it gets to that point. So. That's awesome. (laughs) So we've got a lot to cover from that whole, uh, (laughs) you gave gave us so much in there and I don't want to miss any of it. So I want to just say, a congratulations because it's amazing, um, incredible. Um, what sort of strides you've made and just how much you've improved and how much you've figured out through the process. But I want to go all the way back to the beginning of the injury before your hysterectomy and the surgery and all the other things and hiring a coach, because um, so many runners just don't understand how important it is to try to find the right doctor. Um, and one of the things that I've always preached to people since I got into the sport the same way you did, where I just went in head first and just dove into the deepest end of the pool and I've never come up for air. I just kept going into deeper water and deep water and deeper water. And I'm at 60 and I love the sport as much now or more than I did when I started when I was in my early 30s. So um, I was blessed enough to run the 100th Boston Marathon and my plaque is right behind me there. I ran 241 in the 100th Boston Marathon. I was 400th out of 40,000. So there were 40,000 runners at day and I was 400th, but I'm still as passionate about running the Boston Marathon today as I was in 1996, you know, when I was a kid, you know, at 35 years old. So what I preach to everybody is if it'd be like, if you don't, 
we have our own language. Every single thing we talk about are acronyms and understanding our bodies and foam rolling and, and using a ball to roll on for piriformis syndrome and acupuncture and deep tissue massage and all these modalities and normatex. Like we, we basically have another language. It might as well be Mandarin to non-runners. Well, to assume that a regular doctor is going to treat Shauna or Ron the same, it's just a terrible assumption. And yet people do it every single day. They're on a health plan and they look up their doctor and say, okay, I'm going to go to Dr. Smith and it's okay. Well, the first thing out of these, the first time you hear a doctor say, you're not going to be able to run anymore, whatever, just get up and just put your pants on, put your belt back on, get the hell out of that office fast. Like, don't even say goodbye, just leave. Because anytime anybody's telling you you're not going to run again, I can tell you right now that they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Because every one of my running friends, and we're now running friends, of course, because you're on my show, um, every <laughs> single one of my running friends has been told by somebody that they're never going to be able to run again because of a misdiagnosed injury. Let me tell you a little news flash. The first thing that led you to this whole thing, they found a herniated disc. I would say that almost every single person from the age of 40 on, if they went and had an MRI, MRI done right now, would probably have at least one herniated disc. Probably Probably one, sometimes more than one. If they've ever been in a car accident, had any kind of a bike crash, any kind of an impact injury in their life, gymnastics, I don't care what it is, sleeping funny, you could have a herniated disc. So immediately that decision gets made and pushed back to you. Nope, you're not going to be able to run again. This is because of the herniated disc. And see, it makes sense because from the spine, it goes down the nerves, it goes from the from the middle of the body down all the way to your feet, right? So it, it can be affecting, you can be getting twitches, synapses, nerve firings, all these different things can be affecting you. And automatically, it must be because of the disc. But in fact, it's piriformis syndrome, which can have nothing to do with the disc above it, okay? that just has all these muscles can just like lock up like a vice in this huge area of your butt where if you can't get that to loosen up and break up, okay, whether you use acupuncture or rolling ball, lacrosse ball, I don't care how that actually came to be where they got that broken up, how they actually made that happen. But once that happens, yes, you can return to regular running completely normally. You'll be fine. You can run on a treadmill, the roads, the dirt, the trails, whatever. But if you're going to the doctor, the jackass doctor who doesn't <laughs> like running and thinks running is bad, they're just going to be like, no more running for you. No soup for you. You're cut off. You can't run anymore. Sorry. Don't go to that doctor. Run for the door. Okay. So there it is. You get the piriformis syndrome. And now you also get diagnosed with, you know, your precancerous cells. You have the history of cancer in your family. And you have to obviously make the decision to take care of yourself long-term and get a hysterectomy. So in a way, you had to protect your body, you know, to against cancer and the future things that could come with it it probably in a way helped you because it gave it the piriformis syndrome like more time to heal while that was going on. Sure, it had a lot of other negative effects. You're losing your hair, you're, you're depressed, you're missing running, you have all these other things that you're battling because running keeps us centered, man. <laughs> running keeps us sane. You said your husband wanted to sell you. The only yeah. thing I could think of is your great shirts that you have with stiletto running. You need a new shirt for that one. <laughs> My yeah. husband wanted to sell me. I would almost fell off the chair when you said that, but that was really good. But yeah, like 
I don't even want to know. My dog probably doesn't even want to hang out with me when I can't run. But of course, she still does because dogs are not like humans. I mean, dogs will like take anything and they'll still come up and lick you and their tails are still wagging. But even she was losing faith in me, you know, during my four months of my stress fracture healing. But the healing of not having that load, all that stuff probably unwound, loosened up. Um, eventually, you know, you're not putting the stress and the load on it and the torque, you know, so it all like unwound itself. Right. And then when you're able to go back to running, you make a huge decision. And I got, I applaud you for it so much because, you know, you didn't even realize how many things you were doing wrong and, and wrong isn't even the right word anyway, because I mean, just, I'm going to correct myself. It's not wrong. Running is running. If you want to run the same pace every day, you can. There's no rules. The only thing I say to people listening to my show is if your only form of running is to go to the track because that's close to your neighborhood and that's a safe spot for you and it's comfortable. I kind of rail against that stuff because I want people to live their life. I want them to experience what's out there, but I'm not a woman. I don't have to worry about safety. I don't have to worry about some idiot stalking me if I go on a trail run and some guy's going to be following me or catcalling or doing stupid stuff. So I appreciate that women have different things that they've got to manage. And that's why running together in a group or having some other people or at least telling people where you're going running is a good safety thing to do. And I encourage all the women who come on my show to be aware of those things, to be aware of their surroundings for their safety element. But if you run the same pace every single day, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's seven minutes a mile or 13 minutes a mile. I don't care. You will never improve as a runner if that's what you do. Okay. If you run around a track in a circle every single day, eventually these are bad things for our body. Why? Because we're repeating the same motion like a NASCAR driver. We're turning left every single time on the track. The inside left knee, you know, you're vulnerable to ITB and all sorts of other injuries because it's not normal to just run a hundred yards and then keep making turns all the time. So what I, you know, tell people, and I don't coach anymore, if they're going to run in the track a lot, what I tell them is to warm up in the opposite direction, run counterclockwise, run outside the track. If there's AstroTurf on the inside, run on that, you know, run barefoot at the end, you know, take your shoes off, run barefoot, do some strides in your bare feet to strengthen your ankles, your arches, you know, your calf muscles, you know, your flex, you know, get a little more flex in there. Um, but you need to have variety. So you were running the same pace in every single run and you were, your own terminology was you were a serial racer. So you're racing all the time. And here's the thing, people don't even understand it until now you can look back on it and say like, wow, I was doing that. Like you think you're gonna keep running half marathons all the time and you're gonna run faster, but you're running the same exact pace in your training. And you were probably running on the treadmill all the time and not even like getting exposure to hills and really like training and different variety. And then you're going out to these races thinking, I'm going to run faster. Mm, nope. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So you, well, I was running, I was running on the road at that point You were when I started training. Yeah. I, okay. so before I started training for my first half marathon, I would go to the gym and, um, you know, like I said, maybe run 20 or 30 minutes just for exercise. That was before. And if you run, you're a runner, that's, but um, I would never have called myself a runner then because I did it two days a week for maybe 30 minutes. So like I probably only ran four to six miles a week on the treadmill. That was the gist of my running. When I decided I wanted to run my first half marathon, I did train on the roads. So that was, but that at 40 years old, that was the first time I'd ever run on the roads. <laughs> wow. 
Okay, so you were on the roads, but mm-hmm. when you were doing your pacing, at least on the treadmill, it was always the same. So you had no variety. And again, you had mentioned this when you hired your coach. Um, it was your first introduction to speed work and tempo runs and all these other things. And obviously now, you know, you've got your RRCA certifications. You understand, like, to be a runner and to be at your best, you know, our bodies need variety. We can't do the same thing every single day. If every single day you just said, I'm going to do more push-ups than I did the day before, do you think you'd be able to do that? No, no, absolutely not. You'd, you would run into a brick wall so quickly. You like, you, maybe you could get to 100 or 125, but you're not going to keep going to like 205. Maybe David Goggins will, but pretty much everybody else is going to end up with a shoulder surgery or something else and be like, maybe they're going to start doing less because you use the word yourself, burnout. There's nothing interesting about it anymore, okay? So there's a hundred other ways to get stronger. And variety makes us stronger, not doing the same thing over and over. Now, you can do the same hill workout every week, okay? You could maybe even run in that same section of hills every week, okay? I, I wouldn't. I'd want to mix it up. Personally, I'd maybe want to go to trails and find hills to be in the dirt and then maybe go to the road and go on the hills and maybe find a sharper incline, steeper incline, but on the roads, I can go faster than I can in the trails or dirt. So I don't have to worry about falling or, you know, breaking an ankle or any of the other things that can happen to us out there on the trails because it can get a little dicey. But I want to know, like, because it was a huge decision for you because you had the time off and you had to get it together and you've been gone from running. Like what made you, did you research it? Like what made you decide, like, I'm going to hire a coach now? Like what was the impetus for that? I think at that point, I was becoming more involved and getting to know people via Instagram um, and just seeing what other people were doing with their running. And it just a light went off, I think, that I was like, okay, well, all these people are qualifying for Boston um, and their workout, you know, people post their workouts on Instagram. And I was like, huh, I've never done any of that. Um, You know, same pace all the time. So, I, I kind of thought, okay, well, maybe I need to change something because whatever I'm doing isn't working and my times are all staying where they are. And so I definitely think like pe- people that I've become friendly with virtually um, really inspired me to want to, you know, take my performance to another level. And um, and I think I started following Victoria from Run for PRs on Instagram and just seeing the success that her athletes had and she would always post athlete spotlights. And I was like, okay, I'm like, I think, I think this is what I need. I need someone and not necessarily for accountability, but I think now that I have someone to hold me accountable, I really like it. Like, I, I feel like not that, not that I need someone to watch and hold my hand and make sure I'm doing my workouts because I'm just motivated myself to do it. Um, but it's nice to know that you have someone that is watching and believes in you. And so you do want to make them proud of you, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Um, and like I said, I'm doing it for me, but it is nice to have that person that does believe in you and kind of guides you through that. So some of the best coaches I know are some of the best runners I know all have their own plans laid out for them by someone else. Either it's another coach or just a friend who knows them really well and just says, nope, I I can't put my cycle together for Boston or London. I'm running the London 
age group world championships. And then Boston is like a week later, if, you know, who knows, if has to be said with every sentence these days, which is sad, but that's where we are right now. So like, I don't lose sleep over it. I want to know as much as anybody else does, if I'm going to really be able to fly to London and not be quarantined for 14 days after I do the race, I know I can get there right now, as of today, I can get there, but can I fly back home to go run Boston, you know, eight days later? That seems very unlikely. And if that's going to be the choice, yeah, sure. The age group world championships is a far bigger thing for me. There's 40 people in the world in my age group that qualified for that. It's a very big deal. And it's the very first one. I don't want to miss that, but I also don't want to get stuck in a hotel in London for 10 or 14 days after then miss Boston. And then my dog is, I have the greatest dog walker in the world who basically kind of almost moves into my you know, apartment when I'm gone, but that's a pretty long period of time. If I got stuck in London for like 10 more days or 14 more days. And so these are all decisions we have to make. Um, but going back to the coaching element, if it's a good coaching relationship, and obviously this is a really good one, they are invested in you. They do care about you. They want you to win. They want you to succeed. But when you fall short or when you fail, they don't like run for cover or point the finger back. It's the opposite. It's be like, no, okay, here's what I think went wrong. What do you think went wrong? That's what a good coach should be doing, asking you what you think went wrong if you didn't hit a big goal or an objective. Um, they're not just going to be like, okay, this, 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 this. No, they want you to realize what happened. They want you to be self-aware. And you were very self-aware in your own situation. You were paying attention to what other runners out there on IG that you follow and they follow you, what they were doing. You were paying attention to workouts they were posting and saying, I don't do this. I'm not doing things like this. I probably should be doing something like this if I want to do this. So that's a great important step that most people are not willing to make. That's why I love Goggins so much. Like, you know, everybody's like so afraid to like call themselves on shit. Like, man, I look like shit right now. I know it. I'm like 20 pounds overweight. I couldn't run for four and a half months. So yeah, I could ride a Peloton bike and I could go ride 50 miles on my bike. But you know, you do that one day, it's not the same as running every day. You know, nothing is like running every day. It's just, it's just spiritual, but it's physical, but you're also burning a lot of calories, face facts. So yeah, you can drink a beer anytime you want. You can eat junk food, but you take away all those calories being burned and all that anxiety being erased. And all of a sudden you become a different person. Okay. Like no one can sell me because I'm not married to anybody. And I'm pretty sure your husband, <laughs> your husband can't sell you either, but it was hilarious, man. I just love it. Um, yeah, we're not the best versions of ourselves. Like I always say that running makes us the best version, but what's the opposite of that? We're fucked up, man. We're not good people to be around, man. We are bitchy. We are assholes. We are short. We're just like, what? Uh, no, no, no. I don't want to talk to anybody. No, go away. No. Oh, wait, it's a podcast. Okay. Hang on. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Sean. What are we going to talk about? But when you can't run, you're not happy, man. It's, and I just wish more people would realize how much happiness it gives all of us we know it. And it, your happiness is not tied to PRs. Okay. I'm never going to run 241 again, like I did in Boston in 1996, but I can run really fast times for my age group. I'm ranked in the world. And in your case, you cut 38 minutes. That's like a crazy amount of time, but it's, you're not done yet. You're 40 isn't old. What are you talking about? I'm 60. Like, that's not old. That's like young, you know, right. like 60 is not even old anymore. I think maybe like 80s old. I don't know. Everything's changed. And, you know, like you can't, you can't even put those thoughts out there. But that's why I love Goggins because you know what? 
you made some observations about yourself and others. And instead of being like, oh, they have a coach. No, man, I can get a coach. Okay. Like, yeah, or no, no, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it my own way. That's fine. You know what? You can take the Hal Higdon book and you can do that right now. You're certified. You know what to do. You can look up Greg McMillan's style of coaching, James McCurdy. There's a there's hundred great coaches around or your own coach. You now know how she coaches you, but you know what? You know what you're not going to have? She's in your corner. She's investing in what you're doing. She's going to tweak things for you in a way that you might not be thinking of because you might not be thinking, I'm ready to go up to this next level. And she has a very different opinion or he, if it's a man who's coaching you, in your case, it isn't. So that's why kudos to you for that. Because, hey man, when you hit a plateau in running, one of the most important things you got to do is you got to assess the situation, okay? And don't listen to your fake friends who are going to be like, oh man, you're getting old. No, 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 no. Shut them the hell off. Just like the doctor who tells you you're not going to run again. Shut them off. Tune them out. Uh Uh-uh. Absolutely not. There's no excuse why you can't keep getting faster. Yeah, eventually we're all going to get to the end of the runway, okay? It doesn't mean you can't get stronger. It doesn't mean you can't run more races and be consistent and keep performing really well. So it just, our goals change and what we're chasing after might change. And what are we trying to get to, you know, to make ourselves really feel the most fulfillment is really like what it's about. So in your case, you know, Boston, you did run your qualifier by plenty, but because of COVID and because of the crazy competitiveness that has never been seen before, you got shut out in a case where you normally would have had like ample cushion by plenty. And so now, you know, the good part is instead of being, you know, whining about it, you're going to work harder, you know, but there's a lot of people out there, man. I didn't want to read one more post from anybody with a violin, man. Cause it's just like, I don't want to hear about the violin. I don't want to hear any tears. I don't want to hear anything. Yeah. You can be disappointed, but that's what you can be. And you give your, to me, I give myself like 48 hours. Like everybody can do their own thing, but 48 hours, I was flying to Tokyo to get my second six star. And, you know, I was one day from going on the plane. I was going to spend an extra week there because I love Tokyo and it's my third time there. And the flight got canceled. And everybody's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to Atlanta to go watch the Olympic trials. Like what? Like it's like sold out down there. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure Atlanta is going to find a hotel room for me. They go, wait, you're going to Atlanta. You don't have a hotel room. I'm like, that's right. I'll book it on the plane. Like no one believed me. I did not have a hotel reservation, but I knew Hey, between Airbnb, I knew some way I could find somewhere that I could crash. I just, I wasn't even worried about it. I just knew I had to get my flight, got the flight, went down there. It was awesome, man. I got to see the trials. I got to see the men and women crushing it on that course. I've had multiple guests on, you know, like when we get disappointed by something that happens, there's always another, another step for us. So you miss, even though you made it by five plus, but you're not going to, that's going to be a footnote. You know, you're going to go so far past that. So what is the next big race on the calendar? Or are you guys like just in like a holding pattern right now? Like where, where are you guys at right now in terms of like assessment, running, like what's next? So when I qualified for Boston, um, it also qualified me for Chicago. So I was supposed to run Chicago last year, 2020, and I deferred my spot to this October. Um, and this is before we knew that the Boston Marathon would be the day after. Um, so I have my spot for October 10th and, you know, I had said, okay, well, 
and then when registration opened up for Boston and I was crossing my fingers, I'm like, you know what? The qualifying times are, I don't want to say easier, but they are easier than Boston. So I knew if I qualified for Boston again, I can run Chicago again because I would qualify again. So I said, it's okay. If I get into Boston, I'm running Boston and I'll defer Chicago to next year or at some point run it again, but not getting into Boston. And um, so running Chicago (laughs) on October 10th. And uh, yeah, so my goal is to PR and with the PR will be a BQ. And I want at least a 10 minute cushion because (laughs) I'm so afraid of getting shut out again. But so, yeah, so um, my goal is um, any PR. But with a 10-minute cushion, I would like at least a 345. Um, but my my real goal and what I've been working on in all my workouts is sub 340. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, you're building extra buffer in. Um, I'm sure you're doing workouts and training that's based on that. Um, so on your long runs, I'm sure you're doing, you know, lots of marathon miles pace and on tempo runs, you're running probably a percentage of your half marathon pace or somewhere in between to make those paces feel comfortable. So how's it going so far? I mean, you're, you've got a, a really good amount of time. Let me think about this for a second, because I looked this morning, it was 77 days to London, which is October 3rd. So you're October 10th. So you're like 82 days from Chicago, give or give or take. I might be off by a day or two, but I'm, I'm pretty, pretty close. I bet. Right. Yeah. So I think it's 12 weeks. I don't, I don't even yeah. remember what the days 12 are. weeks is 84 days. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, you're, we're, yeah, I think so. Cause it's funny because I, I realized I could ask Alexa in the morning, like what, how many days till October 3rd? Cause that's London, which is also my son's birthday. And she'll uh, be like, it's whatever days to, and so one day I just started, I just started a log. I just put the date, you know, I weigh myself. I do that. Like it's my morning ritual. Like what did I run the day before? It's like, it's kind of a, it's not really even a running log where I put comments, but it just has my last run. It has what I weigh. It has how many days to the race. And it's just like a a couple of simple things. Um, or if I rode a bike or I swam or something like that, I just put, so at least I know I did something and then how many days. So I can just look at it and go like, okay, yeah, it's happening. When you, when you say days, it doesn't sound that far away, but when you say 12 weeks, I'm like, oh, it's three months, it's far. Yeah. But I mean, I know the summer always flies. Yeah. And um, actually, I ran a half marathon on Sunday and used it as um, a goal marathon pace training run, and which was great. I executed it perfectly. So I was very happy about that um, and felt really comfortable at my marathon pace, even in this disgusting weather. So (laughs) that was good. Um, had it been marathon day, I could not have held that pace for another 13.1 miles in that weather, but, um, but it was good. I needed that like confidence booster knowing 13 miles and I could handle my marathon pace comfortably. And it, it was, so made me feel good going into the next 12 weeks for sure. That's a great, it's a great workout. Um, particularly when you're doing in the summer, because of the heat and humidity. So to, to hold that pace, sure, it should be easy. Nothing's easy. I don't care how fit you are. I don't care if you're an Olympian, if you're a BQ person, I don't care You know, if you're a six-hour marathoner. Nothing's easy. Whatever pace you're trying to run, it's never really easy. There are days when it's going to feel easier, for sure. 
And as you said, it, you know, if it's a cool day, if it's a rainy day, maybe there's a little bit of a breeze behind you. And like, it all depends. Like some people struggle with humidity more than others. Some people don't. Some people are good in the heat. Some people are terrible in the cold. Like all of these things play into the equation, but training through the summer, which we are, and then going to Chicago in October, I mean, it could be warm in October. You don't know. I mean, I, we've had some days that have been really hot in October in Chicago, and then you can have a day that's like perfect. Um, it was really pretty good in 2019. It got really windy at the end, um, but it was still pretty good temperature-wise. And then I remember in 2017, it was really hot, like 80, 80 plus degrees, really, really hot. Um, but I still ran really well. I got top 10, um, which is a bit, it's really hard to be top 10 and in a major marathon. I mean, that is really a hard thing to do. It's not like running, you know, a local age group race or even like New York Roadrunners races. I mean, these are, it's, it's competitive. I mean, there's, you know, 50,000 runners a lot of times in these races. So when you can do that, you're always like, yay. Um, but for you to do it on a hot day, a humid day, a muggy day, it's good. And it's early. I mean, you got a lot of time. Um, and you could, did you work on your nutrition? Did you work on your fueling? All of that. Yeah. Made sure I was on top of my nutrition every four, I almost said every four hours, every four miles, <laughs> every four miles. And I mean, I was, you know, taking from every um, station. It was just the, the dew point. It was just I mean, I looked like I had gone for a swim, not a run. Like it was disgusting. Um, but yeah, and still placed second in my age group, which that was something that never, you know, when I started my running and everything, I mean, now obviously being older too, but um, over the past three years working with a coach, I mean, I'm placing in my age group in every race I've done since then. So that's been pretty cool. That's not pretty cool. That's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, look, that's, that's what the, the work, when we work hard at something and if you're willing to just keep working hard without getting like the age group medals or the award of the BQ, then man, you have just like all my respect, like beyond belief, because it just shows that you're just, you're just in it because you just, you just want to grind and, and you're not there you know, for the kudos and Strava or, you know, to go up there and get that medal. But man, to me, that's like the double bonus, man. You know, like if you get, and you know, there's really not even any age group awards at races anymore. It's literally just mail them to your shipment team. It used to be a pretty cool thing, like after the race and people gather around and you get to go up there and they clap and somebody take your picture. And, you know, yeah. it's kind of fun. And nowadays, yeah. like all that stuff's kind of almost gone. Um, but yes, that's progress. And you know what? that's going to keep you working harder and keep you pushing more. And you know, yeah, it's a big deal, man. It, and don't even say that again. It doesn't get easier. That's bullshit. That's total bullshit. You know what? I'm totally calling bullshit. Cause I can tell you right now that my friend, Gene Dykes, who's 72 or 73 years old is running two fifty marathons. Jeannie, uh, from Chicago is running, you know, two, two fifty something marathons in her sixties. I mean, people are doing insane things in their sixties and seventies in not just in marathons in ultra marathons in Ironman triathlon. So no, it doesn't get easier. People say that shit all the time. Oh yeah. Well you can BQ because you're in an older age group. Yeah. Okay. You run a 305 at 60 years old, okay? You think that's easy? Like people say, oh, you don't have to worry about it. Oh, oh, you think it's easy to run a time like that? It's not easy. It's hard. It's really hard. And as you know, the older you get, injuries are more commonplace. It is harder to take care of your body and to stay healthy. So I love the fact that 
your coach doesn't even have you running as many days a week and you're doing some cross training and other stuff. So that's really an important uh, thing to decode and figure out over time. So the fact that you guys are, you're going to tweak that and you're going to keep working it, you know, maybe in time you're going to start going back to five or six days a week and you'll do a little cross, less cross training at some points, not for the whole year. I would never, look, whatever's working, you keep doing that. Okay. But at some point it's the little tweaks where we can really get find those little extra couple of minutes here and there that can make a big difference. Um, and the most important thing for you is you got to stay healthy and you got to make sure I'm going to ask you, because with piriformis, you better be aggressive. You got to keep foam rolling that all the time. You got to get the lacrosse ball or any of those, you know, acupressure type balls and get in there because you've had that issue before. Not saying it's ever going to come back. We're knock on wood, knock on my head. Right. <laughs> um, but you got to, you got to diligently like stay mm -hmm. after that. So that's something you pay attention to, right? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Good. I'm crazy about stretching and rolling and my stick and <laughs> the thera, the gun, the massage gun, like everything. Yeah. Good. Definitely stay on top of all of that too. We have to. It's it's so important. So Chicago is coming up. Um, do you have any other shorter distance stuff? Or are you going to try to work on your speed a little? Because I mean, look, it's hard to be fast in the summer anyway. I mean, maybe once in a while you'll get a miracle day where it's not terrible. But for the most part, if we're running a race and it's not 90 degrees or 85 degrees, we're lucky. And even if that's, it's not just the temperature, it, it could be a day where it's 80% humidity or crazy, you know, all the other numbers that we have to factor in dew point and all this other stuff, you know, like you just got to run for effort maybe I would say even more so than time, but so the shorter distances are important because of turnover and substituting maybe a track workout and stuff like that and doing the shorter stuff and just like getting out there and just saying, I'm racing. I'm not looking at my watch, turn your watch over and say, I'm just going, man, I'm going to catch this chick and catch this dude. I'm going to rip through. And when I get to two miles to go, if I got anything left, I'm just going to cut it loose. So do you have any stuff like that that you might work on over the summer or, um, I mean, of course, the speed workouts. I have um, a 10K on my calendar sometime next month. Um, not in a race environment, though. Just, um, I guess you would call it a virtual 10K or like a 10K time trial. Um, so the 10K and then two or three half marathons that I'm sure one of them I'll probably go um, race it. Um, and then you know, one or two, the other, you know, at goal marathon pace again. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping there's a half in November after Chicago that I'm shooting for a PR in the half, but, um, no, you know, during the summer, I mean, I'm sure you see living in New York city too. There's not a lot of races, July, August in new England. It's just too, I mean, probably everywhere, I guess, Florida. And I mean, I don't think places really have a lot of races during the summer. So it's, it's, it's really similar. Um, I think you're right. We, we're actually lucky cause I know up in, you know, Boston proper, you know, the BAA is managing most of the bigger races, you know, the different race series that go on. They have that, they have that 5k, 10k and half marathon. If you run all three of them, you know, they have the special medals. If you happen to win your age group, 
got a couple of friends who win those every year. Um, and they're different courses and, you know, so you're getting to run on, um, different, different places, different venues, if you will, but you're right. There's not as much, you'll, we'll see some weird distances. There's like a four mile race and some other races and they're definitely not as crowded or as competitive. And I haven't actually done a real live in-person race since COVID. Like a lot of my friends actually have like New York road runners, like BAA up by you has started having races again. And I just, I'm just, look, I'm just coming off this stress fracture. I'm only back running about a month or maybe like five weeks now. So I'm just really, um, it's not easy to be patient. Um, you know, most runners are, you know, type A times a factor of like, I don't know, whatever the factor is, I'm like times a hundred of that. So I'm, I'm not wound like normal people. I'm wound at a whole different level. Um, and that's, that's, um, that's like my superpower. So I, I, you know, I don't need anybody else to motivate me. I don't need you or other friends of mine to be having good races. Although I do pay attention like you didn't, which is where you made this decision with coaching. I'm like, you know, I have always been really good at assessing my own self. And, you know, other people tell you, you're getting all, no, fuck that. Don't listen to that bullshit. That's a story, man. You know what? They want you to go on the couch with them. They don't want you running and getting medals and kicking ass. They want you to be like them and just hang out on the beach and like drink margaritas and be like, hey, man, she's hanging out with us again. Yay, she's back. No, no, man. Do your thing. Be a badass. Keep ripping. And, you know, I'm like, if anything, I want to do hundred milers. I want to do longer races. I want to do an Ironman. I want to do stuff that's further, longer, harder because I've kind of done all the other things to this point anyway. Um, but you know what? You gotta, you gotta tell, you gotta do that because you want to do it. You gotta do it because you want to do it and you want to satisfy and just see like, what is that going to be like? You know, what is that going to take for me to actually make that happen? Or can I make it happen? Because there's too many things we do in our lives that don't, that aren't even scary. They're not even scary. A half marathon. Of course you can do a half marathon. Uh, yeah. Of course you can swing to run a faster half marathon, but um, you already know you can run a marathon and run a BQ and you already know, but it's when you look at something and go like, oh my God, could I run a hundred miles? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't know that I can actually do that. I ran 60 miles for Tommy Rives, but that's 60, 60, 40 more miles, 40 more miles. I mean, I watch Western States on, on YouTube. I watch uh, a lot of the really famous ultra marathons. A lot of them are on YouTube. Um, it's just super cool how they do the coverage. And mostly it's just people will be in a booth like you and me, talking about the running and they've got a feed and there's a Twitter feed and there's checkpoints, but you can't really see the race. I mean, there'll be people out there, photog you know, photographers are up there shooting the lead men and women coming through the checkpoints, but it's not like what we're used to in a marathon where you just know what they come through the stuff. But like, that's the stuff to me, like that's what's going to get me out of bed more as I keep getting older. Like, can I really actually do something? I, I know I can do other stuff. I want to do stuff that like scares the living hell out of me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know, that's not for everybody, but for me, that's like kind of like where I want to go next, but you know, I'm not giving up my marathoning anytime soon, man. You'll be seeing me at every major around because it's just too much fun. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna miss out on the party and, you know, next year, hopefully in 2021, we'll get back to a regular calendar year where these races fall when they're supposed to fall, not Boston in October and Chicago. I mean, Chicago is in October. New York is in November, but it's the other stuff that got all messed up. I mean, Tokyo's canceled two years in a row for non-Japanese runners. They let the elites run two years ago only. This year, they're letting people from Japan run. Um, and that'll go back to March. And Boston already has its date for April. 
Um, and of course, London is one week. It's either six days or 13 days apart. Um, and then, of course, you have Berlin and you have Chicago and New York. So are you interested in doing the six star and getting a six star medal? Does that have any interest for you or just not not into it? You know, it kind of does because I have Boston already. I have New York already. I'm running Chicago. So I'll have the three U.S. Mm-hmm. So it it I'm on the fence. Okay. Um, and I can't remember. Do you, out of Berlin, Tokyo and um, London. Two of them are lottery and one you can qualify for or like the lottery thing. Like that's hard. London, <laughs> London is impossible. Um, right. I've gotten in through the world age group um, mm-hmm. qualification, which didn't even exist a couple of years ago. So you could get in through charity though. Like there are a multitude of charities and yeah. I try to talk about that stuff as much as possible because I don't ever want anybody to feel like there's a barrier and you couldn't do something. Like I have tremendous charities where I know the directors of the charity and it's, way less than Boston. I mean, I, it might be 2,500 pounds, which is maybe $3,000, you know, US money to run for a terrific charity, uh, preeclampsia, you know, for women that are um, issues with uh, during childbirth and, you know, could potentially lose the baby or even die. So it's a big uh, charity and something that I got involved with that I didn't know anything about. And now I know the directors and I probably sent them a dozen runners in the last two years. And they're wonderful people. They're amazing people. I mean, they featured me on their website for a while. They had me up there, you know, with their singlet on and with the medal. And, you know, that was my first chance to run London was because of, you know, the connection with them. So, and that's just one of a multitude of charities. I mean, London has raised over a billion dollars, a billion with a B in charity since they're in so I think they've been like setting the bar like higher than anybody. Um, I don't know what Boston or New York's numbers are because they've both been around. I mean, Boston's been around longer than anybody. Obviously, London's only a 40-year plus race. Um, New York is coming up 50 this year. And, you know, Boston is 125th. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. crazy. So who knows? I don't know what Boston's numbers, but I just know that London proclaim that last year. So London, I can guarantee you that I can get you in with a great charity, great people for a very reasonable fundraising. Berlin and Tokyo are way harder to get in. There are time qualifiers. It's just, they're difficult. They're difficult. Not saying you can't do it. They're difficult. You can definitely get into both of those through other ways, but it's Berlin is way easier than Tokyo. Way easier. Same thing. I can get you into Berlin, you know, make a couple of calls, make a few connections. Tokyo is really hard. Um, I've heard. Yeah. Really, really, really hard. And for me, knock on wood, turning 60, like, because I'm not slowing down as I've gotten older. So, like, I 100% can qualify uh, with a time qualifier. So, I will be able to get into every single one of the six. And I'm already going to go around. This Tokyo will be my second six star. But I have run all the other ones. You know, I only have to do, I think, Tokyo and Berlin are the ones I need to do again to get a third one because I have run New York like nine times and Boston nine times and um, the other ones. But it's just a cool thing. I mean, it's not your thing. Like, who cares? You know, like you should only do stuff you want to do. You know, like that's one thing about IG, man. It can be amazing. That's how you got to find a coach and you're using it in the right way. That's the way I say. But too many people are using it in the wrong way. Like, oh man, look at the time she's running. Can every day. No, 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 no. That's, you're looking at it from a constructive viewpoint. Like, hey, I'd like to do this someday. Okay, so how would I actually get to that point? 
Like, what would I need to do to get to that point? So you didn't sit there and say, I can't do it. You're like, well, if these people are using a coach and they're doing these kind of workouts, I'm not doing any things. Like you weren't just sitting there blaming the universe. You were like, hey, I maybe don't have the skill set to pull this off on my own, but I can hire somebody and give it a try. Mm-hmm. So good for you. So you did some research and you connected and um, you know now you have a really good thing going. So cool. Now the real question is going to be, with your coaching, so now you have your own certification, um, what is gonna be like your style, your approach, you know, that you're gonna use with your runners the way, you know, you've connected, you know, with your own coach? Like what's gonna be like kind of your philosophy, if you will? I mean, I truly believe in the 80-20, you know, 80% easy runs, 20% hard effort, um, incorporate the speed and the tempos. you know, and as a master's runner, I've definitely learned about recovery and it's more quality over quantity. Um, I, I think that would definitely be my philosophy because I know it's worked for me. So um, I think helping others see that too, that, you know, like you said, on Instagram, you can see people running hundred mile weeks and you don't need to do that. <laughs> I mean, unless that's what you love to do. Um, but I think some people get in that mindset that they need to run all the miles because it's the only way they'll ever qualify for Boston or the only way they'll get faster. Um, and as you get older, in, you're more injury prone. And I do believe that, you know, quality over quantity is for sure my philosophy. That's a good, a good philosophy. Um, are you going to interview you know, do Zoom or talk to uh, potential athletes before you take them on as a coach? Because I think it's like an important step to consider. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I did get certified. I am coaching a couple of people right now. Um, I'm not looking to make it like this is going to be my business. Um, I enjoy my running too much um, and my training, and I don't want it to take over or I wouldn't want coaching to take over that. And I also have my business, Stiletto Running. So, you know, that's that's where I'm at right now. And I just thought it would be a nice little, um, I don't know, a nice little addition to Stiletto Running, having my running brand and trying to just inspire others, you know, being an older runner and saying, you know, if I can do it, you can do it too kind of thing. Um, and I just thought it would be something nice to add to my business to be able to help others. So not looking to make this big running coaching business. (laughs) So that makes any sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, we all have a finite amount of time to work with in our days and, um, you know, stiletto is your brand. It's you and it's how people know you, um, and your cool stuff. I wish you made guy stuff as cool. I mean, you know, the tights, the shirt, like, I mean, uh, I basically, I would wear any of those women's tights as a guy because I, I like cool, wild, funky designs. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I do my own <laughs> shit. And there's no way anybody's going to stop me from wearing the loudest, wildest, craziest stuff. So yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome what you what you have going and, you know, cool sayings and stuff that's out there, or whatever. That's that's just awesome. Because look, man, there's, there's a 5,000. Look, I got my pre-live shirt on, man. Steve Prefontaine was my man, you know, just still love watching old movies of him running and just all of his sayings. And, um, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. It's a cool thing. And it's just, uh, it's part of who you are. And as it continues to grow, adding things that 
potentially line up with that or align is is certainly a good thing for you. And I mean, potentially you could also, you could hire coaches to, you know, run the coaching under your platform, under your business. It doesn't have to be, you're going to be the main coach like Greg McMillan or James McCurdy or, um, you know, for PR running for PRs or whatever, you know, that group is, is, is it running for PRs? Run for PRs. Run for PRs. Yeah. Cause I, I pretty positive. I follow that page, but I'll have to take a look because there's mm-hmm. so many pages, you know, yeah. that are out there that I follow. Like I pretty positive. Um, I know one, I'm pretty sure she ran in the Olympic trials, right? No, no. Okay. Then I'm no. mixing it up with another PRs coaching site then. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, Amanda Cruz, um, run to PR. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. She's yeah. not, she's not yeah. a coach. She's oh. not a coach, but she's okay. an amazing runner. And, okay. um, yeah, I actually met her at Boston. Um, I don't even know in 2017, I wasn't running, but I was there with a couple of my stiletto running ambassadors were running and I was there to spectate. And I met her, I think the day before we were walking around Boston. Um, but yeah, she did qualify for the Olympic trials. I think last, the last Olympic trials. Yes. That's the one, that was the one I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. I mean, the PRs are, that word is in a lot, a lot of yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a good word choice. And 2017 in Boston was hot as, man, it was hot as fuck. It was hot. Yeah, I was, was at a hot. mile, where, oh, we were at mile 25 at Fenway, yeah. right in Kenmore Square. I was with my sister. My brother-in-law was running. And I mean, people were literally dropping in front of us. Oh like, yeah throwing up in front of us. I like, I had to jump back or like some guy was literally going to throw up on me. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, thank, thank God I'm a runner. And thank God. Like, I know what that feeling is like at mile 25 of, ma- of a marathon and on a hot day. Um, because I ran it in 2016 and it was hot that year too. 2016 um, was hot. Yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was like, thank God I wasn't just some random person standing there that had no idea what that feeling is like at mile 25, because I think someone might've punched him in the face. I mean, he was poor guy. I, to this day, I still wonder if he finished because he was a mess. Yeah. Yeah. We've all, we've all seen that man. And I gotta tell you, that's the closest I've ever come. Um, scaling, uh, you know, heartbreak in Europe in the Boston college rowdy as all get up college students hammered, Best signs, wild party mode. If I didn't have celiac, because this is a gluten-free beer for anybody who will watch this on YouTube if it makes its way up there. Um, if I could drink regular beer, trust me, I would have been grabbing a beer from those kids. They're all like, hey, you know, throwing their yeah. beers at me. And I'm like, because I will I will get the crowd going every time, man. It's like if you're looking at me and you're like yelling at me and doing stuff. I'm going to just like give it back like times 10. So I'm just like yelling and screaming at people and jumping and, and they're all like, Oh, come on over take a, take a drink. And I'm like, uh, if I could, man, I would chug that shit right yeah. down. And I would have been like, you know, stumbling down into Cleveland circle. And I probably have been rolling down on the ball. Like, you know, I ended up like that guy over, uh, in Kenmore square, but yeah, amazing, amazing <laughs> stuff, man. So, um, we covered a lot of really cool stuff in your personal running, even now, you know, with big goals for you with Chicago and, you know, wanting to keep, you know, crushing faster times, getting into coaching, your business with Stiletto, which rocks. Um, Is there anything we didn't get to, anything we didn't cover that's important, like top of mind that you kind of want to share before we roll out? I don't know. You were talking about all the ultras and all that stuff. So I did start toying with the idea I turned 50 in April and 
you know, things were still shut down in April around here and, you know, not knowing what the fall marathon scene would be like. I did toy with the idea of a 50 K for my 50th, um, which, you know, from what I've understood, like the real ultra marathoners, the hundred milers, like poo poo the 50 K because they, you know, it's not really an ultra. Well, anything over a marathon to me is longer than I've ever run. So, um, I don't know. So I think that something I still would maybe like to do at some point, um, obviously not this year with Chicago coming and, but I don't know, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. That's super cool. And don't let anybody poo poo anything you think yeah. about doing. Screw them. <laughs> um, most of my hardcore psycho ultra friends would not say that they just wouldn't, um, yeah. because ultra is the most inclusive running community. It's even more inclusive in the running community, which I love and adore and spend my life hyping and building up and, and just sharing the love. I mean, that's what I do. That's why I started this show is just to tell people's stories and have chats with people and just spread love and, you know, share positive energy. Um, the ultra community is like a magical place, man. I mean, um, if you think you've had fun doing a marathon, just wait till you run a 50 K or a 50 miler and you go to an aid station and there's like Swedish fish and gummy bears and Tootsie rolls and, you know, like a baked potato with sea salt or bacon. Somebody's cooking like bacon on a skillet. Like you just see things you've never seen in your life. And these people are like, what do you want? We'll make you anything. And you're like, huh? Yeah, come on, sit down, pull up a chair, have something. And you're like, uh, okay, I'll have something. And it's like, you're, and if you talk to them and you show them some of your personality, they'll just see you as you keep coming back. Like, hey, how you doing? Like, oh, I got lost again, but I found my way back to the trail. And you know, that's what makes it so different. I mean, you know, imagine running the Chicago marathon and making a wrong turn and running like five more miles. That could never happen. Right. But in a trail race, yeah, it can happen yeah. very easily because I mean, I'm not somebody, I don't camp, you know, I'm not a tent guy. I'm not going off in the woods. I'm the guy who wants to stay at the Four Seasons or the Ritz Carlton, man. I'm not that guy. Um, I'm, I'm the... Yeah. I thank you, man. I'm like, nope. You know what? You guys could all check in with me. Let me know how it's going out there. You know, when the bears and the moose and everybody like come into your tent and like start messing with you at three in the morning, like I'm going to be like camped out in this nice bed with like the nice sheets and like, you know, trying to get some sleep. So yeah, there you go. But ultra super cool. And I could give you a bunch of races. That would be a great one. And then 50 K is a great place to start because it's five more miles. You know, you can do it already. Um, but you have, to, I think it'd be cooler to do one 50 K stay 50 K, but do one that's just crazy scenic. Do one that's like in the mountains or around like Lake Tahoe or just someplace where it's like, so nature where, you know, you can take a GoPro out of your iPhone and just take a ton of pictures and video and just be like, I don't look at my watch. I'm looking at anything. I just know I'm just going to keep checking off the aid stations and make the cutoff. Like, cause there are cutoffs, you know, you have to get to a certain point. Cause in a 50 K it's not as prevalent 50 miles, hundred miles. Yes. Cause you might be dealing with running in the middle of the night or starting in the middle of the night or whatever, which I still have to figure out. Cause I'm not a good headlamp runner running on pitch black trails. Like that's a little creepy for me. Like, I don't, yeah. You know. I've done four Ragnars. So I know those overnight runs and you're all alone and I've done them in New Hampshire and California and you're by yourself. And it's, I, yeah, as much as I loved doing the Ragnar relays, that was the hardest part running alone in the middle of the night. Spooky, right? 
Come on, yeah. man. You think like Freddy Krueger's going to come out of the woods, man. And like, oh, hunt- yeah. I'm sorry. I, I don't even know. I just don't know how. Um, I have friends who did the the distance project in Vegas. I actually have a friend who's been on my show twice, David Kilgore, on their teams. It's 340 miles. You run from, I don't know if it's Santa Monica to Las Vegas. And, you know, they're sleeping in campers and, you know, they they keep doing handoffs. So it's you and me, like it's my turn, then you go and somebody goes back and they pass out and sleep, but you're running 130 degrees. And then at night it goes down to maybe 60 degrees and there's like wild animals everywhere and snakes. Running, my friend, the guy who was on my show, David Kilgore, ran the whole 300 miles alone. No team, no. Uh, he had a crew, of course, like that was like taking care of him and, you know, all this stuff. Bonkers. I mean, won it, you know, came in first. I mean, he's on like the US 24 hour running team and ultra runner and stuff. But yeah, and he's also like an amazing marathoner. So like crazy, but I'm just like, you couldn't pay me like a billion dollars to be running in the desert in the middle of the night alone. I don't know that I would do it in the middle of the day alone, but at least I can see, you know, yeah. like if some giant snake is coming to get me or whatever, but yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not signing up for that, but I won't yeah. get, I won't get you anything too crazy. I'll, okay. I'll give you some choices <laughs> And we won't mess with your schedule because we got to make sure you rip Chicago and you get your BQ business like buttoned up, get your yeah. PR business buttoned up, and then you keep keep going. And then we'll see you in Boston next year. And yeah, I hope so. What do you mean you <laughs> yeah. hope so? Well, definitely. Yeah. Yes. Well, no. My 2019 time qualified me for like they're taking the 2019 times. So, or, you know, after September and mine was October. So I do still have that time with a five minute cushion that I can use, but I don't want to use it because I'm afraid. So, no, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something right now. That time is going to be okay, but I want you to smash that time and you want to smash the time. Your coach wants you to smash time. So just, you're going to, but I can guarantee you that that time is going to be okay because that was an unprecedented set of circumstances of people aging up. So then they're deltas between their times got bigger versus smaller. You know, somebody just goes from 39 to 40, from 40, 49 to 50, 59 to 60. So now they now have 15 more minutes or 12 more minutes or 20 more minutes. And then their time that was really good just became like that. I mean, I had like four, I had like 40 minutes, I think. So, I mean, you know, it's crazy. I mean, but I also ran 308 when I was 58 years old. So that is a really good time. But the fact that I turned 60 made it an insane time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would have made it by like, I don't know, 25 or 30 minutes, but then it was like, I don't know, almost 40 something, 48 minutes or something. But um, you're going to, you're going to get it, man. It's going to be awesome. And uh, it'll be super cool. And we're going to be watching, man, and rooting for you. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just wishing, and wishing you luck. So I'll make sure in our show notes, of course, I mean, pretty much everybody already knows about stiletto running, but if somehow they don't, you know, they're going to have to go there. We might have to do a little promotion with the podcast. We'll have to think about it. Maybe we'll do something fun in stories. We'll give them a little special code. Maybe, you know, maybe sure. run chats with Ron Runs NYC is going to have to kick in a little juice for this thing to to give away some fun prizes. If they listen to the show and write a review, we're going to come, come up with something fun. We'll, we'll put our, put our heads together and think about it, but cool. yeah. So um, we'll make sure we tag that and your Instagram page, of course, and everything else. But thanks for uh, sharing some really fun and cool stories uh, about your running. It's amazing 
how much you've done in such a short period of time. I mean, Thank it's, you. uh, it's super inspiring. And for anybody out there that, you know, thinks like it's too late in life to start running. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> um, so tune into this episode and hear how, you know, Shauna was going to the gym and running the same pace on the treadmill a couple of miles a day and hanging out with her girlfriends who were doing triathlon and other sports and just like got pulled into this vortex. And now look what, now look what we have. So, um, there's still time, there's still time to get into the party, join the party, come on in the water's warm and, you know, come join us, man. We're having fun. So thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that great stuff with us today. And at the end of every episode, we always tell everybody, keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door. And as the sign says behind me, always remember to stay in the fight, people. Peace out, everybody. Wow, that was such a fun episode. I just love Shauna's drive, her persistence, her perseverance. And I also love stiletto running. I think her site is fabulous. I love the gear and stuff she's producing, the sayings. I just, I'm all in for all of it. So uh, big fan of uh, stiletto running. And that's where we originally connected. And I, I thought she'd be a fun guest and she absolutely delivered. So, so excited to see her take on so many of those challenges after the age of 40. So many runners or athletes out there that have been sidelined or maybe have never even taken on a sport, like in Shauna's case, are just sitting there saying, oh, it's too late for me to learn this or to try this or to maybe take this on. And I think if you listen to this episode and you hear how Shauna just met up with some girlfriends at the gym at age 40 and had literally no idea, that's her own words, no idea what she was doing, literally running every single run, the same exact pace, every mile, the same pace, pretty much on the treadmill exclusively until right before she took on that first half marathon three months later. So it just, it, it inspires me to hear and share a story like Shauna's with others, because my big goal in starting this pod is to just get people moving, to inspire them to get back out there and try something. And in this case, it may not be getting back out there at all. It might be getting out there for the first time. So wonderful episode, super uh, inspiring and just so many takeaways. So I hope you all in the Run Chats audience will continue to do as you have and share it on Instagram stories, on Facebook, and with any of your friends out there who maybe need a little boost or a little bit of inspiration or maybe going through a difficult challenge, maybe they're overcoming a hysterectomy or other um, health challenges as, as Shauna did. So let's keep doing what we're doing. We're building some great momentum. I appreciate you all so much. And again, I'm going to start getting some swag soon. And anybody out there who is posting positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, you know, send me a PM, send me your address info. I promise I'll send you some gear and uh, appreciate that because it just helps us great uh, build our audience and mind share and get uh, great guests like Shauna and continue building the momentum we have here. So let's keep it rolling, my friends. Keep it rolling. Keep lacing them up. Keep getting out the door. And always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>